Hi, I'm Rifka, health coach and your guide to a more balanced and healthy lifestyle. And I'm Ida, mental health awareness advocate and ADD coach. Welcome to the From the Inside Out podcast. We are mumtrepreneurs and friends who love connecting through meaningful conversations. It all started in an Uber, where we were both inspired by each other's life experiences. We decided then and there to create this platform because we believe in the power of connection and growth through sharing our experiences. Here we share research-backed tools, tips, and shortcuts. And interviews with some of our world's greatest thinkers, leaders, and everyday heroes who inspire us to create positive change in mind, body, and soul. From the inside out. Welcome back to From the Inside Out. Before we dive in, Rifka, did you want to share some of our latest feedback yes. on our podcast? I thought I would share some feedback from a friend of mine who I grew up with in Australia. So she's in my transformation. She knows what it was like when I grew up and she knows me now too. It means a lot to me when my childhood friends listen to our episodes and enjoy them and I hear feedback from them. So I figured I'd read a review that she wrote about our latest episode with Dr. Uma from Miriam Farkash in Melbourne, Australia. And I just want to wish all my friends and family in Australia lots of strength getting through these times in quarantine. Uh, it's really tough out there. We're thinking of you. So Miriam says, another fantastic episode. You asked all the right questions and Dr. Uma gave all the right answers. Really informative. And can I just say, I listen to a lot of podcasts and something as simple as sound is often not gotten right. You guys have it all damn pat. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And in case any of you don't know, because people often ask us who our editor is, we do our own editing. And production. Pretty much everything from A to Z. This is a two-woman show. It's been quite interesting. I've learned a lot throughout this process. I used to think that creating a podcast was super complicated and not really doable, but we've learned that, you know, it always seems impossible until it's done. It also helps to have an amazing podcast partner because it is a team effort. If I can't edit one day, Ida edits. If Ida can't edit one day, I edit. So it definitely helps to have someone to work with. I second that. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, speaking of pleasure, I'm extremely excited about this conversation because I get to interview you about your area of expertise that I've been looking forward to this for a while. I feel like this is something that I've been wanting to do and it just worked out so serendipitously in that we interviewed Uma Naidu, who is a nutritional expert and also has uh, her degree in psychiatry and she's a trained chef. So I feel like it all came together. Yeah. And, you know, I gathered, and I'm sure that our listeners gathered so much from our conversation with her, but I feel like I would love to know from your perspective, because you're an expert in this field, you know, what stood out the most for you from our conversation with her? Well, firstly, I just want to say I loved when I interviewed you. I learned so much uh, about ADHD, even though you had told me a lot about it within our friendship, but interviewing you really enlightened me and actually made me want to have ADHD and <laughs> many other people. So I hope that this episode will inspire you too and inspire our listeners. And as far as Dr. Uma goes, firstly, her humility stood out to me. She's a Harvard graduate of nutrition and psychology, and she was so wholesome, inviting, open, comfortable, and she took the time to really connect with us. And I really feel while we were talking to her that all three of us connected together, and I love when that happens. Did you find that too? Yeah, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised because when you hear the word Harvard psychiatrist, I think that kind of just makes me feel a certain 
level of intimidation. And I was very, very impressed and almost humbled by her ability to really connect on a human and deeper level. I really appreciated that about her. Yeah. And with, with all her studies and science and both nutrition and psychiatry, the soul still plays a big role for her, which is inspiring and which we can relate to. Also, her approach is very cutting edge in how our gut affects our brain and that with the right foods, we can enhance both of them. And at the same time, there was a theme of openness to adapting to the individual and what works for them. I liked this, this term she used, body intelligence and trusting our gut, which is what we titled the episode. And I love that approach because often people will start a diet just because it is trending and they want to lose some weight without realizing that it may not suit them at all. So I love that her theme throughout is that there's not one way for each individual. Yeah. I'm sure that having to work with clients who are from different backgrounds, that you have to cater your approach to meet the needs of the individual client. From the holistic, your holistic perspective, you really have to be able to hone in on what your client needs. And I find that to be so relevant. I grew up not having to lose weight. And I grew up thinking that, and even until recently, I thought that I don't have to adopt a healthier lifestyle or healthier eating habits because I, you know, I have a good metabolism. I've always been thin. I've, and then I saw this term that I really stuck with me called skinny fat, where, you know, a person is skinny, but, but they're not healthy. Right. And so it's a misconception. It's a misconception that you only should adopt healthier eating habits if you have to lose weight. There's many other reasons. Often people come to a place of living healthier because they need to lose weight. You know, they have a certain struggle. And that leads them to a healthier place. But it could be something else too. It could be low energy or mood swings. You know, it doesn't have to be weight loss. Can you share, like, what is your story and how did you get here? Like, how did you adopt this holistic view in, in health coaching? Yes. Yeah, so initially, like we just discussed in weight loss, I was changing my habits to lose weight. And with time, I realized how far reaching the benefits were. And that is what drove me to enter into a holistic view and in the field of health coaching. Uh, when I was a young girl, I grew tall, the height that I am now, by the time I was 11 years old. So I was very tall and I also started to gain a lot of weight. And uh, at that time, I felt very alone in my struggle. And I considered myself lazy at that time. When I look back, I think of myself as lazy. I, I think I even knew it at the time. And I think this is one of the reasons you and I connected because we were both lazy when we were younger and we find ourselves being the opposite now. But I just will say that we were what we thought was lazy, but really we weren't lazy. Lazy is a secondary symptom for something else. So right. really you were just having to adopt a healthier lifestyle where, and I was just having to do something that would feed, you know, would energize me. So right, it wasn't true. really laziness, but yes, yes, but we, we thought we were lazy. Yes. <laughs> anyway, but eventually with time, I decided that I wanted to do something about it, but my focus was weight loss. It was not healthy living. I felt, Hey, I'm not feeling good about my body. I want to lose weight. So my mom helped me out with that and she would take me to different nutritionists. I went to on Jenny Craig, which was a very extreme diet. It wasn't allowed any sweets, anything that I really, really loved. So I would lose all the weight, but then I would gain it all back. As soon as I was done the diet, I would lose, let's say 30 or 40 pounds. I would run down to 7-Eleven. That was the, uh, the only shop at that time that had little kosher items imported from America. I would get a Slurpee and like seven gold bars. And then slowly oh I would get all the way back. And um, that was the cycle that I was 
in these, this yo-yo dieting, trying all different types of diets. Only till after I got married and had th my three little girls, I was feeling really low at that point. I gained a lot of weight and that made me feel lethargic and it didn't make me feel particularly good about myself. But after I had my third daughter, I really felt like this is not me. I know I can do better than this. And the first thing that I wanted to do was lose weight, but I felt like I wanted to do it in a way that was going to be long lasting and that had some joy in it. And so I slowly took steps towards that and I did lose the weight and I've kept it off now for 20 years through having five more kids, eight children, thank God. And often along the way, people would ask me, how have you kept it off? People who knew me from the past and I would share that with them. And then I wanted to do it professionally. I decided, okay, I'm going to start helping people do this in a healthy, sustainable way where the focus is not about being weight conscious. It's about being health conscious and achieving that goal at the same time, if that's what you want to do. Wow. Well, that is so inspiring. What stood out to me was you, how you said you were able to lose the weight, which for, for so many people, that's the hardest part is getting started and, mm -hmm. and, and losing the weight. But people often don't take into account the difficulty in keeping it off, like the right. momentum that you need to keep it off. And I think that what I'm hearing is like, that's really what led you to begin adopting this, this, this view is because you were able to lose it, but you couldn't sustain it. And the reason you couldn't sustain it was because it wasn't a holistic experience. It was just lose the weight and that's not sustainable. Right. Yes, not sustainable. And it didn't have any joy in it. I, I, you know, I just gave you this story in a nutshell, but I want to just add another element to it. And that is that when I was going through this stage in my life, my grandmother, thank God she should live till 120 plus. She was an inspiration to me and she still is today. She lives a very balanced, healthy lifestyle, but she encouraged me to exercise and she would take me walking with her. That was something that I loved and always kept that up. I really feel it's because I sensed that she loved it. We would go on walks together and talk and because she genuinely loved doing it, it gave me this love for it too. So I feel like when you're trying to accomplish a goal, you really need to have some joy in it. Right. That really requires a shift in perspective is the, the notion of exercise is very stressful for many people. I think I have to lose weight. I have to exercise. Yeah. But you're saying if you bring in a joyful element, you can actually enjoy it. And many of your clients come in probably not aware of that. Yes. Exercise can be really daunting when it's just about weight, when it's about burning calories. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to eat a meal and I have to burn off all those calories. And once upon a time, my mindset was, this is about keeping off the weight that I've lost. I've been exercising now for many years. I started to notice how it gives me energy, how it helps my state of mind, how I'm in such a good mood just after, how I feel so much more balanced after I work out. I came to realize exercising is a blessing, not a chore. When you look at it with the mindset of that it's going to empower you and it's going to make you feel like a strong woman, not that it's just, I'm burning off a meal. It feels more like a gift that you're I giving love yourself. That. I love that. It's almost counterintuitive to think that exercise gives you energy because you're expending energy by exercising. You're giving so much of your energy away, but you're getting so much more in return. And I don't yeah. exercise right now. And I never felt like I needed to until after I had my babies. And every time mm -hmm. I had my kids, you know, I still had the, the baby weight and I wanted to lose it. So that was my incentive. Once I started to exercise, I started to see the benefits, not just physically, but mentally also. Right. And that really got me to continue exercising. But I find myself, you know, my youngest is six. So I kind of back to my pre-pregnancy weight, 
but I'm skinny fat, which means, you know, I'm not exercising. And I just like, I find myself saying I'm too tired to work out. I want to just jump into my work, but it's so interesting. I'm too tired to work out. I'm too tired. So I need to work out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. The other day, my husband and I were discussing how much time has flown by and how we feel at this stage of our lives. And I realized as we were talking that I feel younger now than I did in my twenties. And the truth is I had a late start. I call myself a late bloomer, but I believe you can start feeling young at any age. And there's a few things that really make me feel young. And I hope this inspires you to feel the same. I really related to Edith Eager, who's in her nineties, where she said in her interview that curiosity keeps her young. And part of being curious is learning, you know, learning chassidus, reading books with new and old ideas, listening to podcasts, having a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. Yeah, but it's funny because so right before we we started this conversation, you and I were talking about how you were taking a, a course, an additional course in nutrition. And we were talking about how being curious is so important. And you mentioned that the more you learn, the less you feel you yes. know. And that's true. The more we learn, the less we know its point. The point is not to feel like we need to amass all this knowledge. The point is to always be curious and it works. It keeps us young. It keeps us young. Yeah. And eating balanced exercise, I really feel is a huge factor in feeling strong and young. I really believe including exercise is the key to youth and longevity and finding a style workout that really speaks to you and your body. I think people might carry this assumption that you love to exercise and it could be that you do, but you didn't always because no. that when you initially began an exercise routine to lose weight, you didn't want to. Some people enjoy the process of exercising. I yes, don't. I didn't. Well, you know, after I got married, I decided to go on the treadmill and all I was doing was counting the minutes till I finished the treadmill, but I did it because I knew it was going to make me feel good, but I wasn't enjoying the process. So I think it's really important. Yes. First of all, to know that I didn't always love it. And just by putting it into action, you can grow to love it because of how you end up feeling afterwards. Right. But I think that there's so many exercises and different workouts out there today that you can actually find something that you love. And also if you, if you're someone who does not enjoy exercise, I can relate to this because I, I don't enjoy exercise in itself, but what I started to do is I started to couple the exercise with something I enjoy, like you did with your grandmother, but I do it with podcasts, with some of my favorite podcasts. I will only listen to them if I am walking. I don't do this right now. I used to, I think I'm going to now having this conversation, tap into it again. Good. I'm Coupling so glad. With something you enjoy. Okay. Let's keep <laughs> yes, So I for those that. of us who I, don't like exercise, yes. there's hope. Well, I, just to let you guys know, I love boxing. It's something that I've gone into. I, it's something that I find exhilarating. And I also do hit workouts, but um, on the days that I don't, I go on this machine and I started listening to podcasts while I do it. Even though I love music, I find myself counting the minutes when I'm listening to music, but when I'm listening to something really intriguing that I know I'm going to gain some knowledge from, I think that's a great tip. Point at double love activity. Guys, the only workout you regret is the one you didn't do. (laughs) That's basically it. Love that. I want to kind of pivot into food, uh, nutrition, regarding nutrition and what we eat. So we talked a lot about that in the previous episode with Dr. Uma and I do. That's episode number 20. Trust your gut if you want to go to that. I just wanted to clear up some of the confusion that I have with the different approaches out there um, to healthier eating and knowing where where to start. 
Yeah, there's many different approaches. Nutrition is amazing because it is so individual. And I've learned through my own journey and through working with clients that there is no one fixed way for each person. Even though there are general guidelines that are good for everyone, for example, wholesome nutrition meals, exercise, drinking water, etc. At the same time, there are elements from some programs, the ones that are not extreme, that are backed up by science. And I like to extract things that work for me as well as the elements that work for my clients. For example, If you read This Is Your Brain on Food and listen to our latest podcast episode with Dr. Uma, gluten-free is very good for someone like you, Ida, who has ADHD. She recommends cutting out gluten. If someone wants to incorporate gluten-free in my program, if they're celiac or if they feel like they're very in touch with their bodies and, and they feel it does better for their body to take out gluten, that's great and I'll incorporate it. And a lot of my recipes are gluten-free because of the of the high nutritional value in it. Just to go gluten-free for the sake of it because it's a trend or for weight loss without focusing on the health aspect is, is a different story. Something just popped into my head. I remember now my husband is supposed to limit the amount of salt he, he eats. So mm-hmm. he has to reduce the salt intake. So I just naturally assume that salt is bad. Then mm-hmm. I discovered that I had low blood pressure and my doctor said, add salt to your diet. And I was so surprised, really, like, really, I actually love to salt my food. My husband loves to salt his food, but he's doing it less. Now I'm doing it more. So it's kind of interesting how you really have to know yourself in the same relates to gluten. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, there's so much more to unpack with, and you just have to know whether or not it works for you and your diet. Yes. So that's where the holistic view comes in. There might be elements that we can take from Whole30 and from keto, but it's not a lifestyle change. If it's just about adopting the thing that they're telling you to adopt, to do what you want to do, then you will, it's not sustainable. So to make it sustainable, there it has to bring you some level of joy. So if you love yes. carbs and you're going on a diet that doesn't allow carbs, is that the right thing for you? Probably right. not. Now, some people may love carbs, but the doctor has told them this is not good for you, or they do come to realize my, my stomach does hurt after I have carbs, then maybe they should work at eliminating that. But if you love carbs and it works for you, there's no reason to take it out. I feel like the whole reason why people are gaining and losing or not able to sustain their lifestyle and really make um, solid habit changes is because they're picking one extreme thing. It's about tapping into what works for your body. I cannot tell you how many applications what you're saying has in so many different areas of life. You have to know what works for you. Yeah. And you could be doing what everyone says is amazing, but it's just not working for you. Yeah. I feel like that's another episode that we can unpack. Yeah, another episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But this is why I love the word balance because that's where you can really incorporate different elements from different programs and also just incorporate a balance of all wholesome foods. And people think, how am I going to lose weight doing that? But we're going to get into that. Yeah, I'm starting to realize why people have such a hard time adopting a healthier lifestyle because they have all of these different methods thrown at mm-hmm. them, not thrown at them, but you know what I mean? Like just kind of yeah. given to them. And we don't really know what to do. Like, let me yeah. try this. Let me try that. And then we get confused. And I yes. think that the answer is just knowing just know yourself. You can incorporate some of these elements, but going just with one type of diet doesn't work for everybody. There's, not, there's no one size fit, fits all. I'm starting to appreciate um, the benefits of having a health coach. I know that your schedule is very full because you and I talk quite a bit and um, I know that you've already, you already have a lot of clients. I can see why, like, it's so important. I think that for anyone listening, if you are confused about what diet works for you, seek out a health coach, if that's something that you can do. What about counting calories? 
I feel like there used to be this whole craze on what was that diet called um, where you like each weight calories watches. a point. Weight yes, watchers, Weight right. Watchers. So great. You bring this up after I had my third daughter, I actually went on Weight Watchers. That's what got me going. And there were really great aspects to it because let's say everything's counted by calories, but they transfer that to points. Uh, so fruits and vegetables or mainly vegetables were zero points. So I really started to incorporate a lot of vegetables, but at the same time, Diet Coke was zero points. So I was drinking Diet Coke as well. So that's where calories don't always count mm. because some things are zero, zero calories, but they're not necessarily healthy. And right. I realized with time, yes, the points helped me get to a certain point and they helped me in some ways with fruits and vegetables, et cetera, but they didn't help me in my approach to healthy living, you know, and, and really thinking about nutritional value. And right. that's why I, I love to say count blessings, not calories. Oh, I love that. Yes. Quality, <laughs> not quantity, right? Exactly. Because I feel through my own journey and through studies that counting calories at meals distorts how we view food. The composition of the food is what counts, not the numbers. It's more of a visual. And that's why I love the balanced plate. Like let's say looking at the size of your hand would be the amount of protein without coloring the calories of the protein. You would never want to end up eating an avocado if you knew how many calories. And like I totally, when I was doing the points, I totally avoided anything that had any fat. So I was having everything fat-free because anything that has a little bit of fat is going to be a few more calories. But with unprocessed foods and nutritious foods, it's really about how it digests in your body and the amount of food that you're eating. And yeah. so gone are the fat-free days. I realized, you know, how much more energy I have and my clients have from implementing some healthy fat into your diet. Healthy fat actually boosts your metabolism and helps you lose weight. And it also gives you energy. It's good for your skin and it keeps you fuller for longer. So there's so many health benefits to having some healthy fat, but that is avoided when you're counting calories. Right. I like that you mentioned the avocado. Avocado and almonds are the two things that come to mind when I think about healthy fats. Things right. that I don't want to eat too much of them because they're, I mean, not me in general, I feel like people don't, but then there are so many benefits that we might not yes. be aware of. Yeah. Those are actually two great protein sources with a healthy fat. Actually, a little tip, if you do want to maintain weight and you are looking to lose a little weight, have a handful, like don't count the calories, have one handful a day, a handful that you could fit into your, into your hand. So you still have to be mindful. Like you should, you, yes. you can't, you can overeat almonds or avocado. Like exactly. you don't want to have too much, but you definitely want to have some. Right. I generally, when I wake up in the morning, I have a coffee and a cinnamon bun every single morning or okay. a baked good. And then that kind of sustains me until like I'm starving at let's say two o'clock. Mm -hmm. At that point, I'm, I'm too busy to start preparing a meal. And I know mm -hmm. that I'm eating dinner soon. So I kind of like wait for dinner. And my husband does the same thing. He does not eat all day. He waits for dinner. Right? right. Which is great. We really enjoy dinner a lot, but I really need that energy during the day when I'm doing my work. You get up and have your cinnamon bun in the morning. What time is that? Um, it's usually at between 5.30 and 6.30. And then yeah. what time do you have dinner? Between 5.30 and 6.30. <laughs> Why don't you try um, incorporating a little bit of uh, some snacks on the go? We'll discuss that later with tips. Right. Okay. Because I can easily yeah. not eat between, well, it's hard, but I, I can do it, like not eat between six and when I go to bed. I generally find that people who do tend to eat later at night um, usually have poorer judgment in their food choices. Yeah. Do you agree with that? So nighttime munchies, absolutely. When you're having balanced meals, you don't crave as much as night. Gotcha. And also just knowing, oh, like if you know in your mind, hey, I didn't eat much today. I deserve these late night time munchies. I'm actually hungry. Um, yeah, you're going to end up 
binging and snacking because you didn't really eat much during, during the day. When you know that you've eaten the meals, it makes it easier not to pick at night because you know you've had your day's worth of food. And also, if you have this mindset of you're not meant to have this full feeling at night, actually want to go to sleep and wake up or just have some tea and wake up and enjoy my breakfast. So it's kind of getting used to a different kind of cycle. Okay. So what I'm gathering from this is that like, I can figure out like what makes sense for me. I can figure out intuitively what I should adjust so that I can eat right and not feel drained of energy. Right. Yes. Um, and you can also, like you said, have a health coach to help you with that. And you brought up the word intuition. It makes me think of a, a book that I read, Intuitive Eating, and people are talking a lot about that now. They're really about like trusting your body and how you feel and allowing yourself whatever you want and then seeing how you feel. One of the concepts that I liked in there was having in your mind a scale from zero to 10. Zero would be absolutely starving. 10 would be so full that you just need to go lie down. You want to come to your meal at number three. That's why like you're not having lunch in uh, in the middle of the day and coming to dinner. You might end up overeating at dinner because you're so hungry. You want to be able to have a snack or two or some lunch. So you're coming to the meal, not at zero where you're so starving that you can't think. You're at number three. You're hungry, but you feel like you can actually be mindful. And you should be finished your meal at number seven, not at number 10. So number seven would be, I'm okay. I could eat more. I'm satisfied to the point of energy. I could go out for a walk now if I wanted to. Not that I'm so full, I feel the need to lie down. So that was a really great concept that I took from intuitive eating. However, I feel a balance would be having strength and flexibility. If you heard our podcast with Edith Eager, she had a dance teacher who said to her, her dance teacher taught her before the one, she took this with her in the war, this, this concept, strength and flexibility are inseparable. And real freedom comes in both of these, strength and flexibility. That's really the essence of balance because if you end up just having strength, which is, would be like sticking to an extreme diet, where is that flexibility? Where is that joy? And it's not going to be long lasting. If you just allow yourself flexibility, where where is that going to lead? As human beings, we need some boundaries. Right. It actually right. relates to Tanya in that Hashem manifests himself in different ways in the world, one of them being gvura in strength and one of them being chesed, which is kindness. We need both elements. We need the gvura and we need the chesed. And when you put these two together, that brings tiferet, which is peace, tranquility, and beauty. So beauty comes from the strength and the flexibility, from being kind to ourselves and also the strength. That's what right. brings real freedom. Right, right. And we had a, we had a, a conversation about this, about bound, boundaries yeah. and freedom. Yes. <laughs> there was a whole podcast episode about the importance of boundaries and how boundaries actually can free us. And I think that putting in the right boundaries for the right reasons, asking ourselves yes. the question, well, why are we wanting to change? Why are, why are we wanting to, let's say, lose weight or adopt a healthier lifestyle? It's really about the why. And if we know why we're doing it, I think that that will make it easier to actually keep our momentum, keep our motivation going because we have we found the joy in it. We found why we want to do it and not, uh, there's no pressure because someone else is telling us we have to. Because one of the reasons why a lot of people lose and gain or don't even end up losing is because they don't necessarily have clarity in why they want to do it. But once they do, then it makes it easier to know the root of the issue. We, we really need to consider the identity of why we want to make this change and the beliefs that drive our actions and really look at ourselves because whatever we change is going to become part of our identity and we really want it to be us. You right. know, whatever we change is going to be a part of us. So it happens from the inside out. Yes. There's nothing like that. 
you know, there's this whole concept of happiness versus pleasure. Are we happy eating whatever we want, whenever we want? You know, we have to kind of also tap into what is true happiness. What is comfort for us? What is comfort? There's a chapter in Jonathan Sachs' book. Well, we also had a Jonathan Sachs uh, podcast episode, but you can get never get enough wisdom from him. And one of the chapters in his book is called Consuming Happiness. Um, And this is in reference to materialistic things in society and how that doesn't bring long-lasting happiness. I feel like this concept applies to everything, including food. A consumer society, in short, encourages us to spend money we don't have on products we don't need for a happiness that won't last. And that kind of happiness is not sustainable. It doesn't last. There's two types of happiness. One's called hedonic. It's a state of feeling and a pursuit of pleasure, and it's temporary. Um, It's like a momentary feeling of pleasure. And then there's eudaimonic happiness. And that word comes from the Aristotle when he gave his analysis of true happiness. That kind of happiness is living nobly, courageously, and wisely. It's not about having wealth or power. It's about what kind of human being you become. So this type of happiness, which is a lasting feeling, is brought by living a good, meaningful, and worthy life. So hedonic happiness needs constant stimulation. So if we're just going to eat whenever we want, we're constantly going to need to eat. But if we think in terms of long-lasting happiness, like how much food do I really need to eat in order to bring me comfort? Is it three pieces of cake or is it just a small piece that's going to bring me some comfort and joy and then I'm going to feel good afterwards because I feel light and um, satisfied to the point of energy? That reminds me of like grazing. When people are grazed, they just take another sliver and another sliver of cake. And before they know it, they finish the whole cake. True story. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a true story for me too. Oh my gosh. um, I really do think about before I eat something, okay, how do I want to feel afterwards? Is this going to bring me joy afterwards? And sometimes I will actually have the piece of cake because I do feel it's going to bring me some comfort. But am I going to go and have three pieces of cake? That's not going to bring me long lasting joy. Um, so you have so, to think ahead a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, I think the distinction that you've made is, is the difference between um, seeking like to fill your desires through an external force, like, oh, that cake is good. It's calling my name. I'm going to eat it versus intuitively knowing what does it make sense for me to eat today and then going with your internal definition, not whatever yeah. is on the outside that's trying yes. to influence you which actually makes me think of Jordan Peterson. He has 12 rules for life. Oh yeah, and I read that book. Yeah, one of them is compare yourself only to who you were yesterday, not to what someone else is today. So, you know, really tuning into you. No one else is like you. Build on what Hashem has given you as an individual and think of things you want to change or you want to develop. Uh, back to Jonathan Sachs again. Tim Ferriss asked him, what is what was the best thing that you bought that was under $100? It ended up being more than $100, but he said, um, without a shadow of a doubt, it was noise-canceling earphones because you're able to hear the music beneath the noise. So you're kind of tuning out all the noise, you're canceling out all the noise, but you're listening to your inner voice. So your inner music, your inner soul, you're tapping into that and what counts most to you. Ooh, I love that. Filtering out the stuff that isn't working and tuning, tuning in to stuff that is. That's good. Yes. That's good. Okay. So moving on. So what do you do when you feel like you've kind of lost track or messed up? How do you stay motivated and keep going? First of all, I love this quote from Winston Churchill. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. So keeping that in mind, pick yourself up and continue instead of beating yourself up 
take it as a learning experience. How, what, what can I learn from this? What can I do to change? The um, question to ask is like, how is this helping you to beat yourself up about something? Yeah. It's not. So what can you do about it? Yes. Besides looking at it as a, as a learning experience, you can take it further than that and take on a challenge. For example, uh, I have a client that let's say would say to me, dinner is so hard. I take my lunch to work and that's easy because I just have what I've taken to work. But then dinner time, she's in the kitchen all night long, you know, and there's all these different things around her, not just what she's taken to work. So instead of getting stuck in that and being like, that is what's going on and it's so hard, look at it as a challenge you're taking on and how can I change this? What can I do for myself to make it easier? We are stronger than our excuses, you know? So by you loving your goal more than your habit and looking at it as a challenge, you can actually make the change. And I suggested to her, okay, as soon as you're done your dinner, leave the kitchen. That could be one idea that you could take on. Right. You're saying, you're not saying don't eat it if it's in front of you. You're saying just don't even put yourself in the position where it's yes. in front of you. So leave the kitchen or, right. or if you know, you love cake and you're tempted by it, put, put it away. I know you mentioned yes. this in, a, in, a, in one of our previous conversations. Or yeah. if you know, you find it hard because all the foods on a buffet and that's how your dinner is, make yourself a platter of raw vegetables with a dip so that you have something else to pick on while everyone else is eating more of the buffet food. Right. Make sure you're at a three and not a zero when you're eating dinner yeah. <laughs> so you don't overstuff yourself. <laughs> and it's all easier said than done. It's that first time you do it where you're like, hey, I did it. And then keep conditioning that like you would a piano. A piano needs to be conditioned. It can't just be fine-tuned one time. It needs conditioning. Okay. When I just mentioned being stronger than our excuses and actually taking action, I love this concept from Marie Fallot. She has a book called It's All Figure Outable. There are two kinds of people in the world, those with reasons and those with results, right? And there's a difference between using the word can't and using the word won't. When we use the word can't all the time, I can't work out today. I can't change dinner time. There's too much food. Um, I can't get up early. I can't speak in front of people. I can't control my cravings. This puts us in this victim mode and makes it easy for us not to achieve much of anything. We just keep giving ourselves those reasons and those excuses. The, right. the reality is that we can wake up and exercise. We just don't want to. We don't want to learn how to do it. So the more honest and accurate the word is, I won't do it. I won't work out. I, I won't eat healthier. Not because you are unable to, but because you are choosing not to. And by saying the word won't, we are being honest with ourselves and using the word won't puts us in a position of power. And this seemingly subtle change um, of the one word is not so subtle because it's owning it and it makes us take responsibility and it makes us more mindful of, oh, actually I will, you know, it gets us to right. this place of I will. instead Right. Of the ball's in your court. So you're yeah. choosing. This is not someone else choosing for you. Okay. Let's, so let's kind of move on to action step when mm -hmm. it really comes to what we do. Action, action is the fastest and most direct route to clarity. Start where you are, keep taking small steps. It may not look like much, but it, it builds up to something big, you know, right. one habit at a time and just keep stacking them. If we're talking action steps, what does a balanced plate look like for you? Can you walk us through your day? Tell us what you're eating, why you're eating it. Walk our listeners through that so we can get an example of what a balanced plate looks like. Okay, sure. Um, I'll give you an example of one day. I love the concept, I can do this today. Because often we get so caught up in, oh my gosh, can I do this my whole life? But if we really take the notion of waking up in the morning and telling ourselves, today I can do this and really taking it one step at a time, it all comes together one day at a time. Okay, okay so... For breakfast, 
I usually will have a yogurt. It has a probiotic in it. It has lots of protein. Back in the day, like we discussed fat-free, I would have a fat-free yogurt. And then I'd be left feeling a little bit empty. You know, I'd be hungry like half an hour later, but a yogurt that has a little bit of fat in it, or even a full fat yogurt, which the Bethel Creamery yogurts are, is fantastic. I Is that a Greek that. yogurt? Is that yeah. a Greek yogurt? Okay. Yes. So that will be my protein. I make a homemade granola, which has oats, nuts, and seeds, and a little bit of coconut. So that also is some added protein. And the oats also is a carb and fiber. So I have the protein, the fiber, and I'll add a fruit, either an Wait, apple. Is that, sorry, I want to stop you here. Is that recipe available on your website? Yes, it is on my okay. website. Okay, good. They can, act, they can get that recipe on your website. Under breakfasts. If, let's say they don't have the time to make homemade granola. They- you can buy granola. Look at granola that has no sugar in it or has some kind of sugar sub or a very low amount of sugar. Or you could also just add a handful of nuts for a crunch. Another option would be, let's say, whole grain toast and eggs. Okay. If you like more savory, or I'll do one of my smoothies um, that also have a combination of either greens, fruit with a protein. I make homemade almond milk, but you can buy almond milk. And it also will have coconut water, which is hydrating. So in the smoothie will also be this combination of protein and fiber. Uh, That gives me energy just hearing about it. Yeah. So just that's a couple of options that I would do. I I have more options. Sometimes I'll make my kids some of my healthy pancakes and I'll have that for breakfast. And that, that those pancakes also have a combination of protein and fiber. Wow. Or I'll do like overnight oats which is also a combination of oats, almond milk, and chia seeds is the protein. So the oats is your fiber, the chia seeds is your protein, the almond milk is protein too. Do you eat as soon as you wake up in the morning or do you wait? I usually have a coffee in the morning, like I'm having with you right now at a 5 a.m. club. (laughs) (laughs) And as we know from Dr. Uma, coffee is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. It's just about how much you have. And if it works for your body, it definitely yeah. works for mine to have this in the morning. I cannot wait in the morning. I get up and have my hot coffee. I, I make my coffee with freshly ground beans. How about you? I've had coffee at your house. I, I should probably, well, I could probably replace the cinnamon bun with something healthier. I would love a cinnamon bun. That's something that would speak to me. I would make a healthy swap for that. So um, I'd make a healthy version of a cinnamon bun or a healthy muffin. And sometimes like on Shabbos morning, I'll have a healthy treat for breakfast instead of one of those breakfasts. So if you feel that you want something like that for breakfast and that's what you usually do, I would adapt to you and I would tell you, okay, let's make a healthy swap for that. I would love to get a healthy swap for cinnamon buns. Something okay, that I can, yeah. Guess yeah. what? That is one thing that I have not shared yet or made is a healthy swap for cinnamon buns. So I'm doing that for you. Add that to your task list. Oh, baby. Okay. <laughs> Guys, look out on my feed for healthy cinnamon buns. Your breakfasts are very wholesome and I and Thank you're you. inspiring me. Good. I'm, I'm really so inspired. glad. That's the point. I'm so glad, Ida. Let's go on to snacks. The best option of snacks is always unprocessed snacks, like having fruit and vegetables. Okay. So to eat your rainbow. All the different colors of the vegetables and fruits bring different vitamins and minerals and um, antioxidants to your body. So eat your rainbow. It's, it's a nice thought to keep in mind. Make it colorful. And keep them where you could see them when you open the fridge because otherwise you're yes. going to for the cookies. And another option like we just discussed for snacks is having a healthy swap for those treats that you like. Would you feel like, you know what, for me, I cannot just have fruits and vegetables for snack. I feel like I need something sweet. That's where um, healthy treats come in. Okay. So, so I'm just, I'm trying to be realistic because I know that mm-hmm. this is something right. that I would love to do, but sometimes I'm just running and I'm on the go and I don't have time 
to have a vegetable per se. Mm-hmm. So if I'm grabbing something and running out the door, yeah. what am I grabbing? A fruit is easy to grab, a clementine, apple. You can buy the nut butters if you want to have protein with it. They come in little packets, a packet of nut butter. What about granola bars or protein bars? Yes. So that is an option, but they do have added preservatives. And a lot of times, when I told you that we don't count calories with unprocessed foods, I would count the calories with packaged foods. And a lot of times the bars have a lot of calories of added preservatives, where sometimes they're higher in sugar than if you made your own healthy treat. If you made one bat, let's say you love chocolate chip cookies. If you made one batch of healthy chocolate chip cookies and that don't take long to make, all my recipes are very simple and are not time consuming. So you'd make a batch of chocolate chip cookies. You put three of the chocolate chip cookies in in individual Ziploc bags, put them in the freezer, and then you just take one out at a time. And there you've got a grab to go. Yes. I think I could do that. (laughs) I think I could do that. My chocolate chip cookie um, has almond flour and oat flour. So that's a combination of the protein and the fiber. It's sweetened with coconut sugar. And there are some bars that are good. Like if if you ever wanted to discuss bars with me, I would tell you what the best option is. But it's going to have less of that sugar sub than most of the bars do. Right. Because I was, I was going to ask about, I think it's called the RX bar. And it says... Yes, actually, yeah. the, R, the RX bar is one of the better ones. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Cause it said no yeah. preservatives, no yes. BS. It says that on the yeah. package. It's no not BS. coming for me. Um, right. Often you're yeah. left after the bar feeling like I need something else. Yeah. Yeah. This but, did not satisfy me at all. Right. Popcorn yeah. is something that I actually recommend my clients to have. I have that too. Um, often on Shabbos afternoon, if you're in the mood of some munching and treating yourself to something light, that would be a nice fun option. Right. So not the caramel okay. chocolate kind. We're just clarifying just the popcorn. <laughs> just the popcorn. Yeah. But I actually have a healthy caramel one in my Instagram feed. Anyway. I've spoken to so many people. I can't tell you. So many people who have said that they have tried your recipes and they are, and they've tried them not because of the health benefits per se, but just because they're delicious. Like they are delicious, period. Thank and, you. um, yeah, so I, I have, so nice to you, even though I, I don't use recipes, I'm not good at following directions. So I kind of just throw things together. That's why I don't bake as much as I cook, but I did make your gluten-free pizza crust. I did try a few of your salads. Your banana muffins are amazing. Um, oh, nice. I didn't even know this. <laughs> yes. Okay. And I, and now your chocolate chip bars are next for me. I'm going to try those. That's fantastic. So nice. And when to I say they're next for me, I mean, I'm going to give them to my daughter and tell her to make them. Oh, great. Okay. So now we have breakfast. We have an on-the-go snack if we're running. Let's just assume we have time to eat lunch, which I know many people don't, but if we did. So what are you eating for lunch? I would either have a salad with a protein or if I'm on the go and sometimes I'm actually in the mood of this, I'll have more of a carb lunch. I'll take a whole grain sandwich. I'll make a sandwich with protein inside. Always keep in mind when I'm doing a sandwich or crackers or a wrap to add vegetables to that. If I'm on the go, I'll take the sandwich, I'll take a little Ziploc bag, the vegetables, or I'll take crackers with some tuna in a container or something like that. And you don't have to feel like you have to cut up that salad every single day. That's something that people get nervous about too, is, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to be cutting salads all day. You know, keep in mind, vegetables is a big part of your day and to have them at least twice a day, like you could have the vegetables as a snack and then a salad at night or something like that. But um, you could do a sandwich too. If you say I can't afford to spend the time to eat lunch, just think about how you probably also can't afford to be devoid of the energy that you need during that time of day. Uh, by the way, I'm yeah. preaching to myself too, because right. I don't do it, but I'm just trying to get <laughs> and into Let me habit. tell you, okay. lunch is really important because you skip lunch 
And then you're going to end up overeating at dinner. You think, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Then you get to this point of like, oh my gosh, I'm ravenous. And I'm so, I, feel, I feel depleted. I'm so hungry. Your kids get home, you're a little moody, you're cranky, you haven't eaten lunch. It just right. kind of keeps you more balanced and centered throughout the day. It's also, hey, I know I've eaten lunch. And then it stops you from picking at other things in between lunchtime and dinner time. you know? Yeah, There's so many yeah. reasons why lunch is a good thing. But like I suggested to you with your snacks, if you don't end up having lunch, at least have two of the snacks. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Take that apple yeah. with the almond butter good and take something else. And also remember, you can have a wrap. You can have a sandwich. You take. You can take some little crackers and some sliced cheese and some um, snap peas along with that. And that's quick. Okay. And dinner, I'll just share with you what a balanced plate looks like when I said to you that I would have a salad with protein for lunch. There's that same concept for dinner. You have your. You have a balanced plate. Okay. So on your plate, half of it should be filled with vegetables, like a salad. And it can just be a simple garden salad. So that would be half your plate. A quarter of your plate would be a protein, like we discussed earlier, the size of the, the size of the palm of your hand going into your hand. That would be a quarter of your plate. So that could be fish, meat, chicken. If you're vegetarian or vegan, you've got chickpeas, um, beans, avocado. The other quarter of your plate would be a healthy carb. That would be brown rice, brown rice pasta, quinoa, farro, Potatoes, sweet potatoes. I love sweet potato. That's great. Sweet potato is an excellent option. And if you want to skip the carb, you'll replace your carb with fiber, which would basically be more vegetables. You could do cooked vegetables there, like steamed broccoli, asparagus, um, cabbage, any of those things. Also, there should be a healthy fat in there. That is the smaller element of your meal, but some form of healthy fat. So either that's going to be the dressing on your salad, there's healthy fat in salmon. Let's say that's your protein. Okay. So if it's a fatty protein, then you get your healthy fats from the yes. protein itself. Yeah. Okay. So that's dinner. What happens if I'm eating out? Well, we do that much less of that now, but if we're going out, how do I know like what's in the food? Like, could you share what your take is on eating out? Right. So I do believe you should go out, have a good time. And restaurants now have great options. It's all about you making your choices because you could decide, oh, I'm going out, forget it. I'm just going to order all the deep fried foods, which would not be necessarily be a good option because even the lighter food options, the restaurants usually add more oil than that you would at home. Right, right. Even though, like I said, a a healthy fat is good for you, but it's about how much you're having. And also restaurants don't usually use the healthy fats. They're usually using vegetable oils. So when I go out to eat, I usually will choose the lightest option, grills, like grilled meat, grilled chicken, grilled fish, you know, and um, there's always a salad option. So there'll be, so you can have your balanced plate. I would try to avoid the bread, but you could have a little bit of a carb if you wanted to, but by you avoiding the bread, you're able to enjoy the rest of the food that's there. And if you love dessert, I would say share the love, enjoy that creme brulee, it's not something I love or what apple pie, whatever it is. But when you eat the whole thing, you end up feeling heavy afterwards. But if you're just having a little bit and you get a taste of what everybody else is tasting and you're sharing, that would be one of the best ways you can enjoy your night out. And a glass of wine. I've seen the research on this because my husband and I like to have a glass of wine with dinner sometimes. And as long as it's done in moderation, there are certain red wines that are good. What's your take on wine? Do you like wine? Do you drink wine? Yes. I love wine. I love how it makes me feel. Gets me into a bit of a relaxed fun state. (laughs) Red wine does have antioxidants and you know, part of being healthy is loosening up a little bit and relaxing and having that occasional indulgence, you know, so um, it's a good thing in moderation. I'm definitely not going to whine about that one. 
Sorry, I had to <laughs> had to throw in that pun. <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay. You know, I can't um, wait to get together with you and talk over wine. We should do that. That sounds yeah. wonderful. So, okay, Rifka, this is my favorite part of almost every podcast is when we bring in the Hasidic component. I think that's what makes this particular platform unique because Hasidic offers such amazing wisdom that is timeless. So yes. Rifka, can you share what is the Hasidic perspective on healthy yeah. living? I think when we think about the soul, um, you know, there's, there's the mind, there's the body, but when we add in the soul, and this is something that I've worked on with time because in the beginning I was working on getting myself to a healthy weight where I felt good about myself. But with time, I was like, you know, this needs to be meaningful to me. When we're living that healthy lifestyle, thinking about what our intention is and adding in that Hasidic element really makes it deep and meaningful and something you really want to, holistic, exactly. And something you really want to make a part of your life in mind, body, and soul. So in Tanya, it says that the body is more important than the soul. And how could that be? I mean, the body is something physical. The soul is something spiritual. Our soul wasn't sent down to this world to repair itself. It was sent down to repair our body, to infuse holiness into the body. So the body is our temple and the body is the most important part of this world. And that's how Tanya also explains the importance of mitzvahs, actions, because actions speak louder, louder than words. So the more physical the mitzvah is, the more we are infusing our natural soul. Basically, the natural soul is more important than the goal we soul. And that the goal of creation and the purpose of creation is to make a home for Hashem in this physical world. When we keep that in mind with doing our physical, whether it's taking care of our bodies, doing a positive action, you know, it's something very spiritual. It does make it more meaningful to know that by us taking care of ourselves, our physical bodies, we are elevating this world. You know what I love about what you just said? That I feel that it gives us permission to take care of our bodies and to do what some people might believe is materialistic and superficial, but really it's not. I think wanting to look your best and wanting to look great and wanting to feel great exercising, that is godly. It is godly because we were put here for a reason and we have a purpose. And part of our purpose is to make sure that we're best equipped to live our best lives. So that's why I love the Hasidic perspective. It's also just on a simple level, just knowing, you know, when I take care of myself, I'm able to give to my family in a more positive way, to share with others in a more positive way, to give to the world, you know, use the best version of myself also is a really meaningful way to take care of ourselves. So now just kind of to wrap it up. So what does healthy mean to you? I would say it means uncovering or reviving a radiant, confident, energetic, and graceful version of you in mind, body, and soul. And to me, healthy also means making healthy living simple and doable, keeping it balanced. And balance means having a combination, like I said, of strength and allowing flexibility and enjoyment, which in itself is a form of nourishment. Healthy is also about letting go of perfection. I love this quote, don't let the perfect be the enemy of good from Brene Brown. You don't need to be perfect, just better than you were yesterday. Health can come across as a scary word. When people hear health, somehow they think it means they have to be perfect and they have to eat the perfect amount of salads, etc. And that is why I believe it's avoided. But if we take on the notion of letting go of perfection and take on steps that are doable for you and adapt healthy elements and implement them into your life, it's going to turn into a wholesome experience. Uh, Actually, my program used to be called, in the beginning, I called it RK Health. And I found 
that health might be a little bit scary for everybody and not inviting. And so I changed it to Revive with Rivka. Revive, this acronym, encapsulates my philosophy and my view on wholesome, healthy living. So grab a paper and pen and write this down because I know the acronym and I think it's wonderful. So R is return. Return to who you are. Our worthiness is not about the potential of what we can become. It's the awesomeness of who we are already. Before we do anything, it's all there within us. We don't need to search elsewhere. E is to expand. So to create space to look at things from a different lens and see what wholesome, healthy living is for you and get grounded in it. Then V would be view, to look at it from the view of what your intention is, what you want for yourselves, you know, visualizing that, how it makes you feel, how it makes the people around you feel, just the what is your view, what is your intention. Then that leads to influence. When you take on those things, when you have an understanding, when you have your view, when you return and you put these into action, you're going to have influence on all those around you. That's really part of healthy living. Um, It has a ripple effect on all those around you. And the greatest gift you can give your family is a healthy you. And then V is vigilance, and that would be the strength and the commitment, you know, using a strengthening muscle or a a resistance muscle. Uh, As we know, discomfort is a prerequisite to growth and anything worthwhile takes work. There's a beautiful quote from the Rebbe, this world is not a jungle, this world is God's garden. But for a garden to produce good fruit, one must work particularly hard. It takes more toil and more time. So the strength just, you know, anything good takes time. It's not a quick fix and it's not a magic pill. And at the same time, E from Revive is enjoyment. Enjoyment makes us feel alive. It's essential for having a long-term relationship with food. And so that's where I have this 80-20 approach. 80% of what you're eating in your week is wholesome and healthy. And you have an option that 20% of your week can just be any indulgence that you love. It can be that white flour. It can be the refined sugar. It could be a chocolate cake. And so that creates a really good balance, that 80-20 approach. And that's where the E comes in for enjoyment. So beautiful. And you came up with that acronym, right? This is your acronym. Yeah. I love that. So we always end with a favorite quote, Rivka. Um, Can you share your favorite quote with us? Today, I'm going to share one. um, And I've said one related to our topic. Okay. One related to our topic. This is a line from a song. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. It's by Leonard Cohen. And the reason I feel like sharing that today is because as far as healthy living goes, I look at that crack as the imperfection in healthy living, the flexibility we allow ourselves, those occasional indulgences, that crack is what brings the light and makes healthy living sustainable, long lasting. It makes real transformation in a solid and meaningful way. Life isn't perfect and we're not perfect. You know, there's another song, Your Perfect Imperfections. It's in that darkness that we find the light, in the struggle. Also, us transforming the dark into light is more powerful than just bringing light to light. Totally. And so that's why our struggle is our strength. We struggle in an area, and if we could transform that, turn that darkness into light, we can make a tremendous difference in our lives and in the lives of others. And that's what you've done, Rifka. You've taken something that you struggled with, you've transformed it into your strength, and you've used that strength to help others, and you've done this in a tremendous way, including in this conversation right now, which I'm sure many people will listen to and learn a lot from. I certainly did. Thank you. Well, I'm still learning, and... I hope that you've learned something from today and wishing you a beautiful, healthy day. A healthy, wholesome day where you, you could start right now. Start right now.